Good morning everyone, great to be with you. Now five weeks ago Andy started our How to Hear God series with a question and the question was this, what is our default setting in terms of hearing God speak? And I'm sure we could all have answered that question perhaps slightly differently. Maybe some of us have heard God speaking for years, hearing God speak is just a, a regular part of our lives. Others of us perhaps have struggled to hear God's voice, um, at least struggling I guess to believe that God could speak to people like me. Maybe for some of us we struggle with this whole concept, the concept that God even speaks at all. Now, over these last five weeks, we've been on a journey exploring how God is always speaking through scripture, through prophecy, in dreams, in visions, in prayer, and last week in community. And my hope and my, my prayer is that each one of us will have discovered more about how we can hear God's voice when we take time to listen in and to tune into his frequency. Well, one of the things that I've really loved about this series has been hearing so many stories of people, young and old, hearing God more clearly, um, often for the very first time. Through the Bible, as we've shared encouraging words for one another, and also through dreams, I've heard, heard loads of stories of people having heard dreams from God over these last few weeks. So I just want to say right now, if you have a story to share, however big or small you might think it is, we would love you to email us at story at riversidevineyard.com or come and talk to one of, our, uh, one of us, that's someone that you see at the front. We'd love to hear your story. Now today is the final week of the How to Hear God series and I'm really hopeful that you're going to have an opportunity to hear from God for yourself but um, what's so exciting is that this is on a journey that we're all going on. Now um, I don't know if you remember this um, but a few weeks back we shared this quote from, from Pete Gregg in his How to Hear God book. Um, he writes that learning to hear God's voice, his word and his whisper is the single most important thing you will ever learn to do. The single most important thing you will ever learn to do. I'm not exaggerating, he says, hearing God is not peripheral, it's integral to human history. So in other words, for us, it's, it's not just a five-week thing that we're doing, it's a lifelong journey. A lifelong journey of listening, believing and obeying. So how do we continue this journey of hearing God and also doing whatever he tells us? And that's what we're going to look at today. So to help us answer that question, we're going to look at um, a story of a wedding that Jesus attended. You may have heard this story. It's an incredible story where we see the first recorded miracle in Jesus's ministry in John's gospel as Jesus turns water into wine. So let me pray for us and then I'm going to read from John chapter 2. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you long to speak to us. So I pray wherever we're at on our journey, whether we know you, whether we've been following you for years, I pray that we would hear your voice and it would be an ongoing thing for us. So Lord, as we share this passage together now, I pray that you'd be speaking to us. Help us to hear your voice above all others now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn um, in your Bibles, you may have your phone in front of you. Otherwise, the words will come up. Um, and so on verse, um, sorry, chapter 2, verse 2, we read this. 
On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the, much che and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. So at this moment in time, Jesus hadn't yet started his ministry. There'd been no miracles or sermons, um, but he had started calling his disciples to follow him. And so Jesus and these new disciples are invited to a wedding and we see that Jesus' mum is there too. And then we find that at some point during the celebrations, the wine ran out. And this is a big deal. A Jewish wedding without wine was a disaster. So Mary, Jesus' mother, simply turns to Jesus and all she says is, they've run out, they've run out of wine. And, and I love the response from Jesus. Effectively, he's saying, mom, mom. But Mary just simply almost ignores what Jesus is saying and just calls the servants over and says to them, do whatever he tells you. And so, however ridiculous the instructions that Jesus gave might have sounded to them, the servants just do that. They do exactly what Jesus tells them. Jesus tells them to fill six huge jars with water. And by huge, I mean massive. I mean, these jars were used for ceremonial washing and they would have filled up to 30 gallons. They fill the jars with water. Yes, water. And I'm sure they're wondering what on earth is going on. And then Jesus tells them to take a sample to the master of the banquet. Now, that seems like quite a risk for me. The master then takes a sip only to discover it's the finest wine he's ever tasted. Now, doing some simple maths, and I am quite a simple mathematician, so that's all I can manage, but I reckon we're talking about a thousand bottles of the finest wine he's ever tasted. That sounds like quite a party. Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine. And the, and the servants simply just do whatever it is that Jesus tells them. So today, as we wrap up this series, as we look at this series, at this story of Jesus turning water into wine, I want to ask that question, how can we continue in a life of hearing God speak but also doing whatever he tells us. In How to Hear God, Pete Gregg talks about three things. He talks about listening, believing, and obeying. 
and we're going to look at the idea of listening first. So in John chapter 1, Jesus, we read, calls his disciples to him, and we see this recorded in the other Gospels as well. He invites them to give up their livelihoods in order to go on a journey with him and to follow him. They listened to everything that he had to say, and we see what happened as they spread the good news of Jesus in those years to come. But at this wedding, there they are with Jesus. And, you know, we know that they stayed close to him. They listened to him and they learned from him. But it's the servants that I want to focus in on today. In the passage that we've just read, we see how Mary, Jesus' mother, simply says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And so they stay close to Jesus, close enough to hear his voice. So they can follow everything that he tells them to do, filling the jars with water as he had instructed them, and then taking a sample for the master of the banquet to taste. Now that's, for me, in one sense, it's all well and good knowing when Jesus is physically in front of you, you can stay close to him, you can listen to his voice. But what does it look like for us today in 2023? I believe that every day we have a choice to make. Do we follow our own agenda, the things that we want to do with our time and with our energies? Or do we choose to listen out for the voice of Jesus? You see, if we want to stay close to Jesus and to hear his voice, we need to find rhythms. We need to intentionally do this, to find rhythms and practices that will go against the grain of what the world is saying. We lean into Jesus and we learn his unforced rhythms of grace. I love how Eugene Peterson, uh, the pastor and author, he puts it in the message version of, of Matthew 28. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. From the moment that we wake up, as we turn to the Bible, in prayer as we go through the day, in community as we engage with other people, until we lay our heads down at night and he speaks to us in our dreams. That's the kind of life that I want. Engaging with the Bible is such a great way to start our day. And it's such an important part of creating this kind of rhythm. You know, as we read the Bible, we orient our lives towards Jesus. For many, that will mean the start of the day. When we start the day in God's presence and in his word, it sets the tone for the day to come. Then we spend time praying. It's an ongoing conversation when we talk to Jesus and he journeys with us in our everyday lives. And then we leave space for him to speak as well. And I want to encourage us as we're doing that, as we're listening to him, to write down what it is we get a sense of he's saying to us. And ask Jesus what it is that he wants to say to us. One of the things that I find really helpful is just going for a walk, asking and expecting him to speak as I do that. As you walk at his pace. And then as we go to sleep, ask that he would speak to us in our dreams, perhaps keeping a pen and pad by our beds, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, so that we write down what we dream so we remember it and we don't wake up in the morning thinking, pretty sure I had a dream. I have no idea what it was. So write it down, jot it down as soon as you can. So it's important that we build rhythms that we, where we hear God's voice on our own. But we also need to hear God's voice with others. 
We need to allow others to share God's voice into our own lives as we do the same for them. And one of the best ways to hear God's voice with others is by being part of a small group. It's a great safe space to try things out as many of us have found over these last few weeks. And if you've joined a small group for this series, just thank you, well done. And I just wanna urge you, continue in that. If you never quite made it, if you never signed up for a group or it just didn't work out for you, there is still space for you to join a group. We would love you to be a part of one. And perhaps there's not a group where or when you'd like one to be. Maybe there's an opportunity to start one. And if you that's you, come and talk to me or come and talk to one of the pastoral staff. We'd love to help you get started on that journey. Now, secondly, the second thing I want to share is that as we learn to hear God's voice more clearly, we need to believe. You know, often we might ask ourselves, is that God? Is that really him speaking? Is this for me? What, what does it mean? But I believe that the more that we hear his voice, the more we recognise it, the more that we know God is speaking. And we've shared this verse a couple of times during this series from John 10, 27. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, I love how in small groups over these last few weeks, we've tried some things out. We've done these things called activations. And um, as we were sharing some stories in, our, in my small group this, this last week, I was struck by how some of us came into this series not really believing that they heard God speak, that they would hear God speak to them. Yet as we've tried these activations, and, and one of the ones that really connected for us was where you pair up with one other person and you pray that God would speak to you, you um, ask for a Bible character for that person. So you think of the first person that comes into your head, like Elijah or Peter or Esther, whoever it might be. And then as you do that, you ask God what it is about that character that the Lord wants to share with that person. And for a couple of people, they took a bold decision, they took a bold step, they named that character, they shared some stuff with the person they were partnering up with, and it really resonated with those people. And I think it's just such a helpful way of us, of, of us being able to learn how to share into one another's life. You know, believing starts with trusting his voice. We start to understand his voice and as we start trying things out, we get to know that it is God's voice that we're hearing. Now, I love how the servants, what we see in this passage is that they immediately trusted Jesus. I don't know if you can imagine that scene again, we've, we've shared it through. And there's this woman, a guest at the wedding, who simply tells them to listen to her son. And the son goes on to tell them um, to fill these six massive jars with water. Now, I don't know what it would have been like as they were as they were filling those jars with water. But then they were asked to go and speak to the master of ceremonies and and let them taste this water that had been turned into wine. Now, I, I would imagine that their livelihoods could well have been on the line here. They would have been in for some punishment or maybe even fired. Yet they choose they chose to completely trust and believe in Jesus. 
And for us, it's important as we hear things, as we share with others, that we share things carefully, that we're really careful about how, how we're sharing. Is it, is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it Christ-like, as, as, as um, Pete Gregg shares in his book? We need to weigh, weigh and pray what's shared with us, but we also need to encourage people to weigh things up because, I mean, we're not Old Testament prophets. We don't always get things 100% right, but we do try this out. And actually, so much as we try this out, we get to hear God more clearly as we do that. So we're on a journey together as we're learning to believe that it's Jesus' voice that we're hearing. And then where do we go with that? And the third thing I want to share from this passage is that we obey. Not a really popular word in this, in this day and age. But, you know, we see that with the servants, don't we? We see that these servants, they do whatever Jesus tells them to. And obedience is, is so countercultural these days, but I believe it's key to a friendship with Jesus. John 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You see, Jesus is simply looking for our obedience. He's looking for people that will show up and say yes to him. You know, in this world, we're impressed by celebrities. We're impressed by great minds and people who can do great things. God is not impressed by any of those things. He's not looking for the most able. He's looking for the most available. And I'm going to repeat that. He's not looking for the most able. He's looking for the most available. He's after people who will say yes again and again and again, day by day by day. People who will obey and do whatever he tells them to. And that's exactly what the servants do, isn't it? They are close enough to hear Jesus' voice. They believe and trust in what Jesus is saying to them. And then they obey. They do exactly what Jesus tells them. I wonder if that's your experience. The reality is that Jesus is always speaking. But we need to weigh these things up. But often we don't do what he tells us to do. I want to tell you two stories today. I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, so a little while back, I, I went to the minor injuries unit. So, um, you know, one of those walk-in uh, medical centres. I can't remember exactly what it was for, but it probably had something to do with this pesky little ankle. Now, as I went in, I bumped into the dad of one of the boys on the same football team as my son. Uh, we got chatting and it turns out he had severe back pain and he couldn't go to work. And I got that nudge. Jesus was telling me, pray for him, pray for him. I knew it was Jesus. I knew it's the kind of thing that it was, it was affirming, it was biblical, it was Christ. Like I knew it was for him. And in the back of my mind, I had this picture of seeing this guy healed. I see his whole family meeting Jesus and then the impact that it would have on the football team as well. But then we got chatting a bit more and I think we probably got onto football and we got increasingly away from his back. And I knew that it was going to be more and more difficult to get an opportunity to pray for him. I really wanted to pray for him. I'd heard that whisper of Jesus. I weighed it up. He, I knew it was what he wanted me to do. So all I needed to do was to do exactly what he told me. But I didn't. I think I signed off that conversation with a, I'll pray for you. And for weeks, I was so annoyed with myself. And if I'm honest, I'm still a little bit annoyed with myself now. But then there was, as I want to tell you a second story. And this is a couple of months back now. 
Um, we, we, we got a new car and on the day that we went to pick up the car, the salesman who we'd been dealing with got on really well with him. I'd had opportunities to chat with him quite a lot on the on a test drive. Um, I told him a bit about my life, um, what I did for a job, which is always a conversation starter, about my own faith, all these kind of things. Um, but on the day that we went to pick up the car, he told me that he was struggling with severe back pain. And I felt that same nudge. I knew I had to pray for him. Um, and so we got chatting, we're doing signing papers, all that kind of thing. And then he went off to get the keys and I really thought that that moment had passed again. So I just remember praying in that moment. It's like, Lord, give me the opportunity to pray for him and I'll do it. And so he came back and then we went out to the forecourt and we're about to sort of drive off. Um, and the conversation didn't come back to a place where I could do it. So I just had to kind of, do you know what? I'm just going to go for it. So I said, I'd really love to pray for you. I know your back's in pain. I'm a Christian, as you know, I'd love to pray for you. And so I did it just there and then on the forecourt and I was able to pray for him just before we drove away in the car. Now, two different stories, two back injuries, but very different outcomes. In both of these stories, Jesus was clearly speaking to me. I was close enough to hear his voice. Both times I weighed it up, is this Jesus? Both times I knew and believed that it was. But one time I ignored Jesus and the other time I obeyed and did exactly what he told me. I share that because I reckon we've all had situations like these. We all have opportunities to pray for people, to share our faith, to share some with something with um, someone begging on the street. Jesus is always giving us a little nudge. But I think one of these three things happens. Often we're either too far away to really hear his voice clearly, like how have we started the day? Are we, are we reading the Bible? Are we worshipping? Are we doing things that help us to walk closer with Jesus and to hear his voice? Either that happens or we don't trust that what we've heard is actually God. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was my conscience, whatever. Or finally, we may just be too afraid to do exactly what he tells us. Now, in my experience, God is willing to use those of us who are willing to say yes and to take a risk. And the more times that we respond to his voice, the more fruit that we will see. The more times we will see people healed, the more times that we will see people come to faith. And it will become more and more natural to us as we say yes again to him again and again and again, day by day by day. Now, I don't want to get to the end of my life wondering what if, what might have happened if I was willing to take a few more risks. I want to be someone who listened for the voice of Jesus, who believed in God's voice, and then be someone who would boldly go and do exactly what he tells me to do. And that, I believe, is the cycle. That's the, I want to see more of this in my life. I want to listen more, I want to believe more, and I want to obey more. And I want to land with this, the whole series, with this quote from How to Hear God. I love what Pete Gregg writes here. He says, the more we say yes to Jesus, the more familiar and precious his voice becomes until ultimately the end of the road, at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, we look back as the sun sets and whisper in wonder and joy, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked? This is the kind of life we were made for. This is the kind of life I want. I long for us all to be living. Can you imagine the change we would see in the world around us if we looked upon our lives in this way? 
when we look back at the end of the road, at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, we look back as the sun sets and whisper in wonder and joy, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked?